You're listening to A Preacher's Life, a podcast about a preacher's life, his work, and his family. And now here's the host of A Preacher's Life podcast, Doug Ellingsworth. There are all kinds of questions we ask ourselves as we move through life, but a couple of the main ones that come back over and over and over, regardless of who you are, what your passions are, what your religious values are, it really doesn't matter. In every human, there is this desire to know, why am I here? What is my purpose? And how do I fit into all of this? Probably the best explanation that I've ever heard comes from the writings of a Presbyterian preacher who was born almost 100 years ago. His name was Frederick Beekner, And in his writings, you find this simple sentence that says, Purpose is the place where your deep gladness meets the world's needs. I've read a whole lot of things about finding your place, but I've never read anything that wraps it up in such a small but yet emphatic package like that sentence. And that's what we're talking about today on this episode of A Preacher's Life. Finding my purpose and what am I all about? Simon Sinek started a cultural revival a few years ago with his speeches and his books. Probably his best-known book and most widely read one is the one that's titled Start With Why. And in that book and in those speeches, Simon Sinek lays out the, the reason that we should pursue finding our unique callings and our unique giftings. He doesn't necessarily approach it from the spiritual angle that we will as as pastors and folks growing up in the preacher's home. But nevertheless, the principles that he extracts are biblical ones, even though it may not be identified as that in his writings or speeches. I read one of his books as well that's a companion to that. And as a matter of fact, he has some some video courses that you can go to his website and take by the same title that kind of steps you through the process of finding your why. And that's the title of the book and the courses, Finding Your Why. And that's what I want to talk about here, not necessarily from Simon Sinek's viewpoint, even though I did find his book to be very helpful, and I would recommend it if you are wanting to find a little help and a little um, some thoughts to kind of spur your own thinking because he lays some things out very well. But why are you here? Now, I, I realize that for us, we understand that the reason we are here, first of all, is to glorify and worship God and to be his temple. We, we realize that, and that is taken for granted in everything that I'll say here. We understand that. And it's important that you do understand that in case you haven't thought about it in a while because all of the things that happen to you in life, every problem, every test, every trial, every victory, every joyous moment, every one of those is opportunity for you to worship and glorify God. And in every one of those experiences in life, that is our first and primary obligation is to worship God. So while that's a given and we understand that, yet there is inside of us this calling and this desire to fulfill the calling that God has given us. 
If you jump back to Genesis chapter 1, after God created man, he told him to take dominion over the things that he had created. That that desire that God put in us to take dominion is still in the human nature. And so even though we know we're worshiping and glorifying God, nevertheless, there is that unrest that all of us experience when we're not in our minds, in our own minds, in our own way of thinking, when we're not experiencing the opportunity to take dominion and to use our gifts and our callings and our experiences and our knowledge to the full fashion that we know that we're capable of delivering. We've got to remember, as we move through life and have these questions, that the first thing that has got to be etched in our mind is that God is building a church and he's building us for the long haul, not for the short-term benefit. God called you to preach. God called you to be a music director. God called you to use your business skills. Whatever God has called you to do, God did not call you to do that so that you can immediately this Friday night be the star of the show or this Sunday be the main speaker in a 2,000-seat auditorium or next Wednesday night be leading a mass choir of hundreds of voices. God has called you to fulfill His calling in a long-range plan that will, that will compass your entire life. So understand as you're trying to find your place and your purpose that there's a lot of opportunities that will come along that will test you, that will twist your life, that will bend you and shape you into the person that God desires for you to be so that your service to Him becomes more pointed, more eloquent, more direct, and more forceful. God is using you, but he's got a long-term plan. So don't make the mistake of assuming that God is going to satisfy all of the desires of your heart and fulfill that longing and calling that you have deep down inside in immediate ministry successes because God does not measure success like we do. That's the second point. That first one, in case you missed it, was realize that God is building with a long-range plan in mind, not designing His work for you and me to experience immediate gratification in our ministries. He's building us on a long-range plan. That's the first point. The second point is He does not measure success the way that we do. When we're called to preach, to us, success is being able to deliver a great message. And the larger the crowd that we're preaching to, the more successful we feel. But that's not how God measures success. You've heard it preached. Just let me remind you. There are occasions in the book of Acts, for instance, when the great evangelist was conducting a tremendous revival, the Lord moved him from there to witness and preach to a single individual because God knows what he's doing in this long-range plan, and reaching that one individual was vastly important to God in the great scheme of his entire plan. You and I would have stayed with the crowds and would have said, this makes much, this makes much more sense to minister to these huge 
amounts of people rather than focus our attention on a single individual. But God is building on the long-range plan, and God measures success differently than we do. As you move through life, your experiences, your education, your responsibilities, all of those things will, will change you. They will equip you. They will challenge you. They will kind of narrow your focus. While, while it broadens your, your experiences and your horizons, it, it narrows your focus. It makes you more, more efficient and more valuable as a minister because of the experiences you've encountered and the things that you've learned. So don't be distressful and don't feel like you're wasting time as you go through this time of, of experiences because God is building on the long-range plan and God measures success differently than we do. So allow Him, the one who called you, to call the shots and to lay things out for you. But it is important for you to understand that you have unique gifts and unique callings on your life that make you a unique vessel in God's kingdom. And therefore, you need to focus on what you're good at, what passions um, move in your heart, what, what motivates you, or as the Presbyterian preacher we quoted at the very beginning said, find that place where your deepest gladness meets the world's needs, and there you will find your point and your purpose for being here. Now, I'll, I'll step aside from that for just a moment to tell you that sometimes life's experiences make us experts in things we really wish we didn't have to be good at. There are parents, for instance, who have, who have raised children who had severe challenges and as a result, those parents have gained knowledge through their experience and through the education they've, they've had to gain by going through these difficult times that they now are, are experts in things that not everybody understands or has correct answers for. As a result, understand that God did not allow these things to happen in your life where he was not aware that you were gaining this knowledge and understanding. Find ways to take this knowledge you've gained and use it to benefit other people. Find ways to take the experiences that your family and you personally have gone through to benefit somebody else. These seasons and times that shape us and obligations that force us to become more or less specialists in fields that we really don't want to be involved in, we must understand that this is part of God's calling for us, even though it's not what we sensed and not what we looked forward to when we first felt that anointing upon our lives. But all of this shapes us, forms us, and places us in God's hand so that we can be just as the evangelist in Acts, moved to minister to that one individual or the entire crowd. Whatever God needs at the moment is what we must be prepared to do. Understand that everybody is an expert on something. Now, you may not feel like you are right now, and that's one of the things that we've not done well with generations growing up in church. We have not 
celebrated and helped them to understand what they do well and what they have learned and what they have to offer. Instead, we often celebrate the the sinner who's been reformed, the people with a testimony of horror and terrible things that God has turned completely around and made them wonderful ministers or Christians. And those children who've grown up in our church and now are adults, they kind of feel like they're just bland and they have nothing to offer. But the opposite is true. Every person has something in which they excel. You've got to figure out what that is. What experiences in life, what education, what natural giftedness do you have that has put you in front of people? Or what do you offer or what do you know that other people have come to you and ask you about? I read of a man the other day. He's... Um, He's a prolific book writer, and he's written all kinds of self-help material, multimillionaire. And he says that when somebody asks him for the third time how to do something, he writes a book on it. So when three people have asked him the same question, he writes a book. Because he says that if three people will come up to you and ask you a question, then you know that there's multiplied hundreds who have the same question but lack either the opportunity or the courage to to actually ask the question. So what questions do people ask of you? Do people hunt you out even for spiritual things like prayer? Do they they look for you when they have special needs in their lives and they ask for prayer? That's a signal that you are one that they respect for your relationship with God and your walk with God. Do they ask you about business things? Do they ask you about speech? What things that people ask you about that you have a ready answer for? That's a signal that this may be something that you're very good at, and you may have this knowledge that you can help others and you can find your place by utilizing this information that other people are trying to get from you and going out of their way to ask you for. So if life has forced you to assume some obligations or go through some difficult things that have forced you to become an expert on traumatic things, that again refreshing your memory on what we just talked about is a signal that this is part of who you are. And the second thing, when people are hunting you down and asking you about specific things and over and over you get the same questions asked, that could again be another signal that there there is information and knowledge that you have that others are seeking. When, when you're called, if you're a preacher, when you're called to preach general conference, when your calendar is booked with revival meetings, it becomes obvious and it's easy to say, this is who I am and, and this is what I do. But there are a whole lot of preachers who do not have those full calendars, who are trying to find their place and who are trying to answer the call. And it's you and those moments in between where you feel like your call is being ignored and there's no open doors, you're the one I'm speaking to right now about 
the fact that your talents, your abilities, your education, what people are seeking for you to help them with is a signal that this is still an area of ministry, still an area that identifies your purpose, and it is pointing you to that deep gladness that helps you meet the world's needs. So often, we're looking for the miraculous, world-changing moments We want to preach the great message that causes a worldwide revival, or we want to build the building that just astounds everyone and the whole town wants to come and be part, or we come up with some idea that's huge and on the internet people are are coming to our website and it's crashing because of so much attention. But the fact is, we change the world one person at a time. We change them one at a time. As a matter of fact, if you have listened to Dave Ramsey very often, of course, he's the the financial guru, right? You, You know who I'm talking about. If you've listened to him very often, he quotes a couple of other people, but he reminds us that nothing happens in our lives until there is a passionate move inside of us. He calls it getting mad. There's got to be a get mad moment when you say to yourself, I'm sick and tired of being in debt. I'm sick and tired of living in a crummy house. I'm sick and tired of not having a car that will, that will, that will run right. It's, it's when you get sick and tired and there's the emotional response that generates change. He says that change doesn't come until we have that emotional move. And so it doesn't matter how many people you preach to individually unless they have this emotional response inside where they say, I've had enough of the way I've been living or I want to move into that place that God's calling, then it's just going to be a beautiful speech delivered. And so often the great speeches, the great sermons are no more effective than a one-on-one Bible study with somebody because the one-on-one Bible study can sometimes move that emotion and push that person to the point to where they say, enough, I've got to make a change. Whereas often the sermon's delivered and everybody rushes out to grab a bite to eat before the restaurant closes and there's no real change. I tell you again, don't sit around and wait for a great moment to display your ministry, but instead, Get involved every day and understand every single day you are performing the work and you're in the will of God. We celebrate the miracles of the Old Testament. We talk about the great miracles that Elijah performed and how Elisha performed twice as many as he did in his lifetime. But go back and look at that again. In his lifetime, Elijah performed seven notable miracles. In his lifetime, his successor, Elisha, performed 14. But consider how many years those men ministered, how many years they wandered around in those villages and towns. And if you divide it 14 by how many years, you're going to find that there's some years that went by where there were no miracles done. But had Elijah and Elisha not remained faithful and plotted on fulfilling their calling in those drier times, 
we never would have the story that we now read about their seven and their 14 miracles. Again, I'm pointing out to all of us, we've we got to find our place, but realize that the place that we fulfill is where the everyday work of God is done in our lives that bring us to that place of gladness, not the celebratory moments where we preach a general conference or a huge missions event and thousands of people are there and we get compliments and opportunities. It's what we do every single day. Find out why you are here. I will tell you now, you're not here just to preach general conference. That only comes around once a year. There's 364 other days that you've got to live and be faithful and fulfill the call of God. Find out why you are here. Don't be afraid to take opportunity when it comes. Sometimes opportunity doesn't come to us dressed up in the garb that we would recognize as a great opportunity for us. Chris Christofferson he was a, he's a, still is, he's a writer, writes and sings songs, a quite a creative writer. But when he moved to Nashville to get into the music industry, he took a job as a janitor in a recording studio because it got him in the door. Sometimes we forget that service is the shortest way to access when you want access to a special place or access to a special person, serving that person is usually the closest and most direct route to getting that access you want. Serving. Don't be afraid to serve. Don't let opportunities to give you access to places where you would like to be pass you by because it's not dressed up in the fashion that you would like it to be. So as you go through life, and I know I've kind of jumped around here a bit, so let me just kind of try to recap this, this segment here. As you move through your life, pay attention to the things that you're naturally good at. Pay attention to the things that people repeatedly ask you to help them with. Pay attention to the unique things that life has forced you to become good at and realize that those are ways that you can serve and meet the world's needs. And in doing that, you're going to find that it becomes obvious where your calling and your place is. And finally, before we move from this segment, realize that um, seasons and times will sometimes rearrange our purpose. For instance, a young minister may be a revivalist. Uh, he may be a, a, traveling, a traveling evangelist, but as he moves on and gains more world, world I use the word world, worldly, not in the sense of, of lack of Christian conviction, but worldly in the sense of, of experiences, of traveling, of interaction with people, he becomes more valuable perhaps to serve in a pastoral role. And so his sense of belonging and purpose will change somewhat, but never does the internal callings and those giftings and life experiences that we just went through, those never change. Those are always going to be there. And it's probably going to be those things that will bring you to the point of your deepest and most heartfelt gladness.
Now, once that you have kind of figured out your why, seek ways to implement it. Don't ever try to force yourself into situations, but do what God puts in front of you. That thing I mentioned a moment ago about Chris Christopherson, about looking for access, it usually will come through ways that you're not expecting. Be prepared and accept that. You may not be asked to come and, and minister on a, on a Friday night at a revival at your church, but the pastor may ask you to come to his home and help greet and just be there to, to, to help the guests who are coming Help, help them find what they need. Drive them from the hotel to the church. There may be ways that you can gain access that don't come in the clothes and in the wrapping that you would desire them to be in. But pay attention and do what God has put in front of you. The next thing is, is be prepared. Why should God give you a pulpit when you don't have a sermon prepared to preach? If you don't have a sermon prepared to preach, then why, why should there be an opportunity to get in a pulpit? You need to have a fire in your soul and constantly be preparing. Find lessons to teach. If there's something you're good at, if there's something you feel passionate about, create the sermon, create the lessons, and be prepared when that door opens, you can then move through it. But don't expect God to give you an opportunity when you haven't prepared something to give Him at that moment when He needs you to be there. Now, I know we've jumped around a bit here, but it's important that we find our purpose and our reason for being here. And I'll just kind of share with you my current purpose my current purpose comes from, it comes from Proverbs 27 and 8. Proverbs 27 and 8 says, As a bird that wanders from her nest, so is a man that wanders from his place. And my purpose, as I've written it, is to empower people to find and pursue their purpose so that together we can fulfill the plan that God has for us in His church. That's mine. It may change from time to time, but that's what God has given me for now. I challenge you, find your place, find your purpose, and let's build God's church together. Thanks for joining us for this episode of A Preacher's Life Podcast. For more information about today's discussion or to learn more about us, go to apreacherslife.com. Be sure to join us next time when we again explore A Preacher's Life.